and welcome to the Not Your Type podcast, aimed to uplift and empower everyone in the diabetic community, from supporters to professionals, and of course, those living with it. Hello, and welcome back to another Type 1 Tuesday over here at the Not Your Type podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa Gothi, and I realized that I have not introduced myself in a hot minute, so let's re-familiarize ourselves with each other, shall we? I am a type 1 diabetic, and I have been for about 11 and a half years. I was diagnosed at 11 years old in my very first week of middle school in sixth grade, which leads me to my next point. I'm actually a middle school choir teacher. It's my first year. I graduated from college last May, and that brings its own unique challenges, as I'm sure you can imagine, with that specific age range. I really struggled in middle school with my new diagnosis, and I actually dealt with bullying from people who didn't really understand me. And dealing with that radical life change, I had to make adjustments at such a young age. So it's actually very full circle that I am a middle school choir teacher because now I get to help students that I have that also have diabetes, and that's been a really cool experience. I'm also the current Miss Polk County 2023 within the Miss Iowa and Miss America program. I've been in this program now for, gosh, 13 years since I was 10 years old. And through this organization, I've really been able to find my voice through the outlet of service with the service initiative aspect, which I've touched on briefly in other episodes, which is, of course, about T1D. Because I won that local competition, I'll now go on to compete for Miss Iowa 2023 and hopefully get to serve as the first ever diabetic state title holder in Iowa. All of that being said, this podcast means so much to me. It was a project I wanted to do for so many years and being in season two, year two of having this is just so special. And I just love being able to do this with you all. It's so much fun. Now, on that last point, as a Miss America title holder, we recently went through a lot of changes that are so exciting. There's now a fitness portion for the Miss. We got rid of swimsuit a few years ago, and the teens, which I competed in the teen program, have a fitness portion, and we're adding that into the Miss category. We have some new leadership that seems so knowledgeable and is making all of these changes, and a very exciting new partnership with the American Heart Association. Did you know that diabetics are actually twice as likely to suffer from cardiovascular diseases than non-diabetics? Or that February is American Heart Month? Now, I didn't know those things either, which makes this connection with my own service initiative in this podcast so much more important. And this partnership is so timely, as many of us witnessed Damar Hamlin's cardiac arrest at the Bills for Spangles game on January 2nd earlier this year. And it sparked a lot of conversation about heart health and the lack of education that so many of us have, not only for ourselves, but how we can help other people. I've learned so much more about the American Heart Association and heart health in general since Miss America announced this partnership, and I've already become more involved with their initiative as it really speaks to me and my family as well, not just with diabetes. My grandfather, who is a massive role model to me, passed away of a heart attack and had other heart issues that have run in my family as well. 
And as a diabetic, it just makes it scarier as the statistic I shared earlier relates directly to me and my father and my grandmother. So since it's not only the month of love that I'm hosting for February, but also American Heart Month, I'm going to talk about how heart health impacts my personal service initiative of diabetes, but also in general so we can learn more about it. So open your hearts to the American Heart Association and get ready to learn more about how we can all stay heart healthy. Before we dive into this, I do want to preface by saying that this is a very broad topic that I cannot even begin to cover fully in just one episode, and I'm still learning. Just going to the American Heart Association, or AHA, website, there were 24 different health topics to look at. So for today, we're mainly going to focus on general cardiovascular disease, also known as CVD for short especially in women and with diabetes. Some basic info, heart disease is the leading cause of death in the U.S. In 2020, one in five deaths were related to heart diseases. That was almost 700,000. Every 34 seconds, someone dies from CVD, according to the CDC. And the most common type of heart disease is coronary artery disease, which kills over half of those in that previous figure. Roughly 20 million adults over the age of 20 have this disease. For women, heart disease kills one in three, which is why the AHA actually has a Go Red for Women campaign because often women are less likely to receive life-saving CPR because people are too afraid to touch them. Now, all of those statistics are pretty scary, but there are a few key factors that you can be on the lookout for to make sure you don't become part of the statistics. Some key factors of heart disease include high cholesterol, high blood pressure, use of drugs and alcohol or smoking, and other medical conditions that make you predisposed to some of these things, including diabetes or an unhealthy diet and lifestyle. As I mentioned earlier, diabetics are twice as likely to suffer from cardiovascular disease. It's pretty common knowledge that poor control of your blood sugars can also lead to nerve damage, which is called neuropathy, or eye, kidney, and foot damage. But diabetics dealing with insulin resistance, which is typically found in type 2 or pre-diabetes, are more associated with some of those risks of high blood pressure, hypertension, poor cholesterol or not enough good cholesterol, and high triglycerides, which is fat. And all of that is linked to poor cardiovascular health. These risk factors aren't always modifiable either. They can't simply be changed overnight. There are a lot of factors that go into diabetes for both type 1 and type 2, including family history, genetics, race, and ethnicity, because some communities are disproportionately affected by diabetes, age, gestational diabetes, etc. Those things can't be changed overnight. You cannot change the makeup of your family, your genetics, who you are. And I know that all sounds frightening. Trust me. I feel the anxiety reading about all of these things, and I did when I was doing my research for this. I have five pages of notes, so bear with me. But there are certain factors that we can have more control over to stay heart healthy. Some specific to diabetics, and some that are general recommendations for everyone to maintain a healthy heart. So let's dive into some of those to make sure we can ease that anxiety and all stay heart healthy together. 
For my diabetics specifically, as this is a diabetes podcast, have regular doctors and endocrinology appointments. Now I know access is far from perfect. This is something I actually advocate for and have lobbied for with legislators, both state and federally. But if you have the access and have the means or know of resources to get that care, make sure you're staying as healthy as possible by meeting with those trusted professionals and use that as a way to guide you into your health, keeping your blood sugars in range, making sure you're doing everything you need to, having access to the medication you need, whether it's for your heart or for your diabetes, because they should know you, they should know your diabetes, and they should know what you need to be taken care of and to make that better. And the second thing is to follow those doctor's orders. That means taking the correct amount of insulin or medication, counting your nutrients correctly, I have to count my carbs, and if I don't, my blood sugar could skyrocket, or I could accidentally take too much insulin and it could plummet. So I need to make sure I'm counting it as accurately as possible. Staying as up-to-date as possible on your prescriptions. That means not using expired medication if you can help it, because that can be so dangerous and life-threatening even. But it also means being timely when you order those prescriptions, not running out of insulin and saying, shoot, I need to order more. I'm now out of insulin for X amount of days or X amount of hours. And again, that goes back to access and equity, and that's a podcast episode for another day. And if you need the resources, please reach out to the people you know who can get those for you, whether it's a doctor or me or other diabetics who know ways to help. So those two things, having regular appointments and following those orders from those trusted professionals are key to not only maintaining your diabetes, but then in turn, helping your heart health. Now for my non-diabetic listeners, because there are so many of you, here are some general things you can do to stay heart healthy. The first one is sleep. I'll be the first to admit I'm not the best at getting as much sleep as I need. We actually need roughly seven to nine hours per night for adults. I'm lucky if I get six. I try to get six and a half to seven. I need to do better about that. But that's also because sleep affects both the brain and the heart because it improves your mood, it improves your memory, and your general reasoning. There's also a disorder called sleep apnea that many people have, and that's where you struggle to breathe while you're sleeping. And that's a common issue with lack of sleep, but also if you can't breathe, that definitely affects both your brain and your heart. So that would be something to check out if you're having trouble sleeping or you know you wake up in the middle of the night gasping for breath because there are a lot of resources and tools you can use to help that. The next one is physical activity. Now this can look different for a lot of people. I actually intend on doing an episode about working out with diabetes because that has its own struggles associated with it, but it's recommended that people get 150 minutes of moderate aerobic physical activity or cardio a week and two days of strength training. It's understandable that this may not be possible for everyone, and it's also not always accessible. When I saw that statistic, my first thought was not everyone has the means to go to a gym or has the time. I know when I was a full-time student, it was really hard on top of working to find the time to work out. 
and I'm just now getting back into a regular workout schedule, but it's also because I'm fortunate enough to have that as a resource to me, to have access to that. So my recommendation is to do what you can and to make it enjoyable. It doesn't have to be going to a gym. If you're a college student, maybe that's walking or riding a bike to class. If you work from home or you're at home after a long day of work, maybe it's working out during TV commercial breaks or ads in between streaming services. Maybe you like to dance and you wanna take a dance class or there's different recreational activities you can do that are more active. You don't need a gym membership to get your body moving. Personally, I love going to the gym and I start out by walking on an incline for about 20 minutes and then I do some strength training. And again, I'm just starting to get back into the routine of doing that three to four times a week, but that's what works for me. That's what works with my diabetes. That's what works with my time. And finding ways to be physically active is important. As long as you're enjoying it, it's not harmful to you and it's something you can do. And one of the last ones is a healthy diet. Now, This one can be tricky, and I want to start by saying that skinny does not always equal healthy, and restricting too much can actually be just as unhealthy for your heart. That being said, limiting foods with high amounts of refined sugars and fat is a positive step in the right direction for your heart health. I'm not here to tell you to cut them out of your life completely, because I do love me some chocolate, but limiting those can lead to a healthier heart. Also, not solely counting calories and basing everything off of that, because not only will it drive you crazy, I know from experience, but it's better to find the foods that nourish and energize you and make you feel good. Again, it's not about how you look, but it's about how you feel. And that goes the same for physical activity. If you have more questions about a heart-healthy diet or exercise, please talk to your doctors or nutritionists or friends who maybe are fitness trainers, etc., who can better help with this specific topic. These are just the things I found in my research or that have worked for me. I am by no means a professional and have struggled with those things as well. So I'm here as a resource to also guide you to better and more knowledgeable resources. Those are just a few ways that you can maintain a healthy heart as a diabetic and non-diabetic alike. But now I want to dive in more to the American Heart Association and what exactly it is that they do. Because I didn't actually know much about them other than they obviously had to do with living heart healthy and impacting people who were dealing with cardiovascular diseases and other issues related to heart health. And this might especially be helpful for some of my Miss America contestants who also want to learn more about this organization. The impact of the AHA is really fascinating to me. They have it on their website and you can go more into detail on this, but they were founded almost 100 years ago in 1924. So next year we get to celebrate that 100th anniversary. And over the 99 years, they have been lowering the risks of heart disease and stroke while funding breakthroughs in those two avenues. Since 1949, they've invested $5 billion in research funding and train 22 million people in CPR each year. I'm actually CPR certified. As a teacher, I would work summer camp jobs that required me to be CPR and AED certified. And it was not a difficult class. I actually found it really enjoyable because you got to not only learn through videos and with an instructor who is also trained, but having hands-on practice. And of course, it also reminded me of the episode of The Office where there's CPR training. If you know, you know. But 
it really opened my eyes to how important it is to be CPR certified. And I'll get more into that in just a second. More on their impact, though. They also saw a 13.6% decrease in stroke deaths and a 15.1% reduction in heart disease deaths since February of 2018, which those numbers are incredible. And it just goes to show that the work they're doing is meaningful and impactful. So now because we know just how important this organization is and also how important it is to live heart healthy, I want to talk about ways that you can help other people as well. So going back to CPR, right now there's actually a CPR challenge that was inspired by Damar Hamlin, where they launched the hashtag three for heart campaign, which encourages everyone to take the three steps in this challenge. So step number one, learn CPR. It only takes one minute to learn hands-only CPR. They provide a video for you and it's so easy. It was a great refresher for me as someone who is CPR certified, but it also lets you know that you don't have to be officially certified to administer CPR to save someone's life. Step number two is to give. More details to come on that in just a minute. And step three is to share your support, to get the word out there about the importance of CPR, because Damar Hamlin would not be here today if it were not for the CPR he received on that field. If administered correctly, CPR can actually double or even triple the chances of survival in cardiac arrest victims. So it is so important to learn, not necessarily be certified, but learn to help save those lives. Other things you can do include volunteering. Donating your time is another very valuable way to promote this organization and the message of heart health. I've actually already helped at one of the annual events hosted by the AHA at various chapters and branches called the Heart Ball, which is kind of their gala of sorts. And it was so much fun. I had a blast. There was great information about CPR and strokes and AED machines and informational videos. There were both silent and live auction items up for grabs, photo booths, and music, which was one of my favorite parts with so many community members that I got to meet and connect with who had such valuable and inspirational stories of their connection to this organization. This event usually happens in February since it is American Heart Month. So if you haven't already gone, make sure you check in for next year's event in your area if you have one. Also, checking to see if a chapter in your area has other events to help at, like the heart walks, which usually happen, I think, in the spring, golf outings, or other community engagement events to get involved with. By reaching out to either a volunteer coordinator or a general point of contact that works for that chapter or for maybe your regional chapter of the organization, you can find ways to begin this journey of advocating and helping a really great cause. And if you're in high school... This could be great for silver cord hours, and if you're a college student, maybe you're in a sorority or another service-driven organization, this could count for those hours too in a really impactful way. And going back to step number two of the CPR challenge, you can also donate. I get it. We're all busy. Sometimes I really don't know how I find the time to do service. But if you're in a busy season and you don't have the time to donate, you can always donate your dollars. Research and advocacy are vital, as we know with diabetes, to advancing medical technologies and innovations that can better the lives of those affected by disease, whether it's diabetes or cardiovascular disease. 
and it can provide resources for those that are in need of help in a crisis. So by giving money, you can help make that happen. With the CPR challenge, step number two is donating. So making sure to take part in all three steps is really important. And if you don't do the challenge, maybe you already know CPR, you can still find ways to donate, whether it's at an event or at the American Heart Association's website, which is www.heart.org. And you can find more information there as well. Wow, I know that was a lot of information just coming fast at you, but it was really eye-opening to me and nice to learn about as someone who obviously cares so much about my personal health. Diabetes and heart health are interconnected. You need to focus on one to really help the other. So whether you can get involved in many or in small ways, make sure you prioritize yourself and your health. Not only this month for American Heart Month or the month of love, but every month. Until next time. (laughs) 